Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I don't believe that Paul is calling for us to treat people poorly, which is what some people do. Some Christians in the name of exclusivity and being separate treat other people bad. I don't believe that that's what God calls us to. Um, the word is clear. That's not, that's not the call. He says, don't be unequally yoked together. Right? Don't be, now, I live in the world. The Bible says that we're in the world, but we're what? We're not what? We're not of it. I'm in it. I live around non-believers. I can't go anywhere where they're not, they're not non-believers. Right? There's some Christians that try to have like, you know, they want to create a whole, everything Christian. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you that the Bible calls Christians to love those around them who aren't Christians. As Christians, it can be easy to distance ourselves from people who aren't Christians because they don't want to get caught up in anything. But you can't retreat into your own little Christian bubble. You can't just go to the Christian coffee shop, bookstore, and hang out places. Christians are called to go out into the world and make disciples. Your world is where you are. Now here is Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as he begins his message, Set Apart. Brief recap, last week uh, we did the first part of 2 Corinthians 6 and uh, the title was, uh, we, we were looking at a heart for ministry and, and what, what does it look like to have a heart to serve God, a heart to be in ministry and we looked at those things last week in the first part of chapter 6. Now today, uh, this second half of the chapter, uh, Paul deals with the idea of us being set apart. Uh, that God wants there to be, he wants us set apart for him. And so I want to just throw out a few things I, I think will help us as we move in that direction. So if I ask you, what are some things that you don't mind sharing? Uh, what would you guys say? What are, what are some things that you don't mind sharing with other people? You guys give me some. What, what food? All right. Rick will share his food. That's good to know. If I see you with something I want. <laughs> what else? What don't we mind sharing with other people? Advice. All right. Share our advice. Sharing the word. Okay. Sharing how much money. I, I ain't sharing that, but uh, <laughs> oh, share how much money we got. All right. <laughs> That's good to know, Jeffrey. I'm going to have to talk to you. What else? Check at the restaurant. Sharing the check at the restaurant. Okay. So there are things that we don't mind sharing with other people, right? Um, now, what are some things that you would not want to share? What are some things that you, you would have a problem with sharing? Toothbrush. What's that? Personal information. Okay. Your spouse. All right. All the, all the married people said. Amen. All right. That, that's where I'm going with this, right? No, nobody married want to share their spouse. Okay. Anything else? We can stop right there. Okay. So this is what I wanted us to catch, right? While there are things that we would share, you know, share our food, share advice, information, yeah, 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 no big deal. There are things that are set apart. There's an exclusivity. So every married, every married person will understand this. If you're a woman and you have a husband, that's your husband. You don't want to share them. If you're normal, you don't want to share them. There are weird shows out today where people are sharing and everything else. That's Just know that that's weird and not right. And you know, it's not right. You know, we, you shouldn't want to share. You shouldn't have to share. It ain't right. So um, we don't want to share our spouse. That's just mine. When you do your vows, right? Almost all traditional vows say that, you know, we're, we're leaving all others to be separated to you only until death do us part. And all this flowery language to say that I'm only going to be with you. And you're only going to be with me. That's what makes marriage special. Uh, one of the special things about a marriage is a woman says, with all the other men and all the other choices, I choose you exclusively. A husband says to his wife, with all the other women and all the other choices, 
I exclusively choose to be with you above all of them till we die for the rest of our life. That's what makes marriage special. And so what God calls us to is a separated life. Do you guys know that if you're a believer, you're in a you're in a marriage type relationship with the Lord? Uh, we're betrothed and we're engaged right now. Um, it, it, you know, once we're with the Lord, there'll be the marriage supper of the Lamb. But we're we're in a committed relationship. God wants to be He wants there to be an exclusiveness to our relationship. He doesn't want to share us with the world. And so that's what we're going to be looking at as God calls us to be set apart. Uh, we're set apart by Him for Him. And I, I wanted to bring out the marriage thing because I know we're made in His image, and so. The same part of you that would feel a little bit like, you know, or not a little bit, the same part of you as a husband or wife that would feel like, I'm not open to sharing. I want you to understand that that's that's how God feels. When you think about, well, God, I'm going to be with you, but I'm also going to mingle in this thing over here that God is like, I don't want to share. The same way you feel that God, you you made in this image. The way I feel about that, that's how God feels. I don't want to share you with the world. Not He's not open to doing that. And so uh, look at chapter six, starting at verse 11. Paul says, oh, Corinthians. We have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open to you. And I, I, you know, he just, he just, oh, Corinthians, you know, I, I, it reminds me of what he said to the Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians. To them, it was more of a rebuke. To the Corinthians here, it, you just hear like a, he's like, oh, come on, you guys, like, man, hear me on this. Oh, Corinthians, he's getting ready to just share with them, like, guys, just, just, just take this from me, receive this. He's getting ready to say to them some things that maybe they don't want to hear. Maybe some things that are difficult. Maybe he's going to confront them on some things. He most definitely is going to confront them on some things that they're doing. So I would say to you guys, because maybe some of you are here and God's getting ready to step on your little toes. You got sandals on today. Go put your steel toe on. You know, Um, he's saying, oh, Corinthians, you know, he says we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. He says, guys, I'm speaking openly to you. Our our heart is open. Um, Paul's not correcting them because he doesn't like them. Paul's not coming down on them because he he feels like he wants to put them down. He's saying, I want to help you guys. We'll see when we get to the end of the chapter. He's wanting to help them have intimacy with the Lord. And he sees the things that are getting in the way and he's speaking to those issues. Verse 12, he says, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Paul says, look, I'm not here to we're not here to lord over you, tell you what to do. We're not putting the restrictions on you. Um, the, the conflict that you guys are having is your is it your own affections. It's because you guys want to do the wrong stuff because you guys are already moving in a wrong direction in certain areas of relationship. And so he says that you're contending not with me. It's going to end up being God's word that they're contending with. Paul says, look, we're not restricting you. You're restricted by your own desires. It's the fact that you want to do the wrong stuff that's creating the issue. And so we want to take heed to that. Sometimes when people tell us what we don't want to hear. We start looking at the people. They, they're always telling me stuff. You know, anybody that's a parent of teenagers, you get that look from your teenagers, right? You're always telling me always because as a parent, you are always correcting them, aren't you? Because they need a lot of correction. And if you didn't correct them, they'd just be tearing up everything. So a lot of times you, you get that look and it's like, if you would just do right, I wouldn't have to be correcting you. You're, you're restricted by your own affections. You want to do the wrong stuff. You don't want to do homework when you need to do homework. You don't want to clean up when you're supposed to clean up. You're conflicted within. I'm just here to tell you. I'm here to give direction. That's what Paul is laying out to them. I'm not here making up stuff to come down on you guys. And I think it's important that we have, that we understand the heart that these things come with, that Paul wants to help them be close to the Lord. Verse uh, 13, he says, now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. So he said, now in return, 
our our hearts open up to you guys. We're we're wanting to minister truth to you guys. He says, I want you guys to we're speaking to you guys as children. I want you guys to be open. And I would just say that to everybody here. Be open. Be open to the Lord to speak to you about your life, speak to you about your relationships, speak to you about um, how you connect with the world, how you interact with the world around you. Be open for God to speak to you, because for many of us, maybe there are things that God wants to change uh, for the better and for the better of your relationship with him. So he begins in verse 14. He says, this is a command. Do not be unequally yoked together with the nonbeliever. And so um, I would explain this was an agricultural society. They would have understood what it, what it meant to be yoked together. Um, back then, if you were plowing, you would get, uh, you know, you could have one ox with a, with a single plow, but you can get it done twice as fast. You get two oxes and they could carry a heavier plow and they were two equal animals would plow a straight line. What you wouldn't do is pair up, a, a, a you know, an ox with a donkey. You know, you wouldn't pair up a big, strong animal with, with a weak animal. What would happen if you paired up, you, 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 you know, you linked them up with the next, a big, strong ox and uh, some little dinky horse or whatever, you know, or some little some little weak animal. The, the weak animal would kind of, the lines would go to the side of the strong animal. You wouldn't, you wouldn't plow straight. And so Paul says, look, don't be yoked together. Don't be hooked up with unbelievers. So what does he mean by that? What does that mean for you and me? What's our relationship to be like with unbelievers? We live in a world full of people that don't believe as we do. Um, I don't believe that Paul is calling for us to treat people poorly, which is what some people do. Some Christians in the name of exclusivity and being separate treat other people bad. I don't believe that that's what God calls us to. Um, The word is clear. That's not that's not the call. He says, don't be unequally yoked together. Right. Don't be. Now, I live in the world. The Bible says that we're in the world, but we're what? We're not what? We're not of it. I'm in it. I live around non-believers. I can't go anywhere where they're not they're not non-believers. Right. There's some Christians that try to have like, you know, they want to create a whole everything Christian. I go to I only go to Christian places with Christian people. I go to Christian schools and I drink my coffee at the Christian coffee shop and I read books at the Christian bookstore and I buy my sandals at the Christian sandal shop if possible. You know, like if there are people that this this everything, how could they ever be a witness? You got to be out there sometimes. You got to you got to you got to mingle. You got to be around other people. That's not that's not we're getting at. God's saying, look, you're going to be around non-believers. That's a good thing. Jesus, when he was on earth, he hung out with bad people. He He hooked up with non-believers. He was a witness to them. But he says, don't be unequally yoked together, right? Don't be an intimate connection with, don't be, don't be linked up with non-believers. And so in one sense, this would be, um, this, this would be something we would say to singles, right? If you're single, should a single Christian consider marriage with a single non-Christian? No, no right? That's being unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. It's going to create problems when you guys get married and you want to continue to serve the Lord and they don't. When you want to go to church and they want to watch football, when you want to teach your kids about Jesus and they're like, that stuff don't matter. Um, you're going to be in conflict. You created that. God said, don't do that. Don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. What about business? If I'm a believing man and I have a business, do I do I want to link up in partnership with an unbeliever with my business? No. Right. Because I'm living I'm living by these principles. I'm living by the book. So I'm doing things God's way. There's some there's some shortcuts I'm not willing to take. Um, but if I got a business partner that's not saved, why wouldn't he would do those things? And now that's on my name. Now I'm linked up in business with a non-believer. God says, hey, don't be unequally yoked together. He doesn't say don't love non-believers. He doesn't say don't be a witness to non-believers. Don't care for them. Don't be kind to them. He didn't say any of that. He says, don't be linked up with them. 
And so a lot of times you have Christians that make that compromise. Well, like, you know, they said they would go to church, you know, or, or whatever. And some people do, you know, we call it missionary dating. You know, they're dating non-believers like, but I, I know I can get them to come over. You know, I, I you know she don't she's not saved yet, but I, I mean, she really digging me. So I mean, I'm pretty sure I can get her get her to come. That's not that's, that's not how you do it. You know, um, you, you got to If you're going to be considering somebody for marriage, you got to at least start out with we're both believers. Got a man and a woman that we both believe the same thing. That's that's a, that's a good starting place. Then there are other factors. But if you don't have, if you're not starting there, you don't even have a good start. You off to a you off to a rocky start out the gate. Um, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now he's going to give a list of uh, rhetorical questions, and the answer to all of them is no or none. Uh, but he's making a point. He's he, what he's seeking to do is show us. Um, how different we should be from the non-believing world around us. There should be a distinction for us. And so first thing he says, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Uh, what fellowship, what koinonia, what, 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 what intimate connection does righteousness have with lawlessness? Righteousness is, you know, right standing with Godness, you know, walking in, in uprightness before the Lord. What fellowship does that have with lawlessness, Right. So when I was in the world, I was lawless. I wasn't under the law of God. I did what I wanted to do. When it was Friday night, I went out. I was looking to, I didn't, you know, it wasn't on purpose. I wasn't, I didn't get up Friday and say, Friday night, I'm going to go break some commandments. But I was not saved. I didn't have commandments. Friday night, I'm getting ready to do as much as I can do. I'm going to drink as much as I can drink. I'm going to go wherever and do whatever with whoever and, and for whatever. That was, I wasn't under the law. God said, so, so what fellowship, what koinonia does someone living a righteous life have with someone that doesn't have the law of God? Right. It's kind of like this. Anybody ever gone out to eat with somebody that was on a strict diet? Anybody? Some of y'all. All right. I've, I've been out with, the, you know, I've, I've had somebody get super spiritual and I'm fasting. Then why did you why did you plan to go? Why did you say let's go to lunch then? You should have said let's you should let's you should have said let's go for water. You know, but if you go out to eat with someone that's on a on an, on an extremely difficult diet, it's, it's like, well, I'm going to lose seals and everything is open. Pork, ribs, you know, chicken, giblets, and whatever. I can, whatever the menu has, you got somewhere over here that's like, I just, do you have anything with just salad and carrot snippets? You know, like, no, don't put the, don't put dressing on it, don't salt it, don't just, I need, I don't need, no, I want the green lettuce, not the, not the, whatever, you know, like, it, it would be a little difficult. Like, I'm, I'm going to smorgasbord, I'm going to eat whatever, and you got all these extra restrictions. How we, we, we can't really do the same stuff together. And so spiritually speaking, when God says, look, as a believer and a non-believer, we're under, as a non-believer, they're just not under the law of God. They don't know God. It's not even their fault. They're, they're lost. But you're under the law of God. You guys don't have anything in common. There is no point of fellowship. There is no, there is no point of koinonia. So it's always concerning to me when someone's, you know, someone's like, oh, I'm, I'm walking with the Lord, all your best friends don't know God. How come, how is it you seem to have so much in common with people that don't love God? If someone's not God's kid, whose kid are they, spiritually speaking? How does a child of God have so much in common with the devil's kids? That should be concerning, right? There should be, an, and, and then how does a child of God, how do you hang out with them and not be concerned for their spiritual state? Are you being a witness to them? That should be the goal of, I'm going to hang out with you as a non-believer. I want to be a witness to you. I realize that you need something that you don't have yet, and I want to be an example of it, and I want to be a witness to you of it. And I want to share it with you. That's, that would be really loving your friends, right? Um, I, what I find is this as well, that many times when people first come to God, 
the, the biggest hindrance in people really moving forward. God, God will speak to a heart, move upon a heart. People will make a decision and they, they mean the decision. They mean the commitment that they make. But the challenge will be that, man, oh, I got all these friends. I got a lifetime of friends and people around me that they, they, they don't, they don't know God like I do. And so they're, they're, they're pulling you back really easy. Um, I gotta say, there are people that told me outright, do I like the old you better? Like, I liked you better drunk, you know? Like, you were more fun then, as though I was their toy or something. Like, you're more fun to play with, you know, when you were drunk and stuff like that. I ain't your toy, you know? And if you let those things manage you, you know, there are decisions that have to be made along the way where it's like, hey, I just can't hang out then, you know? I guess we won't have that much in common. I guess we won't be hanging out like we used to hang out. But I can't go back to what I used to be. Um, but it's a challenge. And it's a, those are decisions that people have to make. And um, sometimes it can seem like, you know, it seemed it seemed it was very difficult when I first got saved. There were friends and people that I tried to hang out with. And I was so weak. I was weak with alcohol. I was weak with other sins that I couldn't hang out with them and do right. So it wasn't even them. It was like I, if I hang out with them, I'm going to end up drinking. After I drink, there's no telling what else I'm going to end up doing. So I just need to not hang out with them. That was the only way I could walk with God. And so there was a period where God just called me to separate myself. And that was a beneficial season in my life. That season of my life, I grew in God. And God made it very clear that if you're going to keep hanging out with them, you'll never get going. You'll never get footing. You'll never really get moving forward in your relationship with me. And so um, there's a dual thing. In one sense, it's a hindrance to the believer that you really can't get traction because all your non-believing friends that keep pulling you back into old habits, old ways of thinking, old ways of life. And it's really easy to get pulled back. Your flesh is like, you know, I, I do like that. Your flesh, when you get saved, your flesh still likes to sin. Y'all know that? Like you get saved, it's not like your flesh is like, I hate that now. I got saved, my flesh is like, I, I, I don't know what the spirit is saying no, but I'm saying yes. You know, I still, I, I, I'm still down with it, you know? So it's, it's a battle. You put yourself in a losing scenario when you keep hanging out with and dwelling around, God calls separation for a reason, right? I want you to myself. Same way you want your husband to yourself or your wife to yourself. God says, hey, I want you to myself. I don't want to share you with the world. And it has a real, it's having a real impact on you. I thought of this illustration and um, how, how offensive would it be to all the married people, right? You're a married woman, married man. You're a married woman, right? How offensive would it be to you to be married to a man that 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 obviously was still very, tempted by some other woman. Like every time he saw her, he's like, ooh, ooh, I'm with, I'm with you, but oh, like, <laughs> you understand, right? It just, we had so much fun. Like how, how offended would you women be, right? You would be offended, right? Shoe on the other foot. How many men would be if your wife, every time she saw some other guy was like, oh, he is so, my goodness. I'd be dreaming about going out with him, but I'm, I'm with you though. I'm with you. I'm committed to you, committed to you. I just, I just ooh, you know, if you'd be offended, it would bother you. You wouldn't like it, but we do that to the Lord. We're like, God, you have my heart and your friends call. You're like, mm, I just like to go out with them. And that's the same. Y'all get what I'm saying? That's why God said, I want you to just cut it off. Get rid of them. Cut them off like they're getting in our way. We got something special. Our relationship is eternal. You're going to be in heaven with me for all eternity. I died for you. Cut them off. Let them be mad. Let them talk smack. Let them say whatever. I have people. I lost friendships when I got saved. But I gained, what I gained is worth more than everything I lost. I, I, I lost friendships. I lost relationships. But I gained a relationship with the Lord. I gained liberty over sin. I gained so much. But it did cost something. And so when he says, hey, I want you to 
Not be equally, don't be unequally yoked up with non-believers. It's for your benefit. It's also, we'll talk about it in a minute, for their benefit. And it's ultimately for the for God's glory. God's, I, I deserve all of you. I didn't die for most of you. I died to have all of you to myself. Amen. And so he says next, um, next question, he says, um, what fellowship, I'm sorry, uh, what communion has light with darkness, right? What communion does the light and the dark have? And the answer is none, right? If you go into a dark room um, and you turn on the light, what happens to the darkness? It's gone. If you go into a, a, a light room and turn off all the lights, you get dark. You don't really get the two together, right? You get light or darkness. They don't have communion. You don't get to have both. What about a dimmer? You know, like a little bit of both, you know, a little bit of light is still light. And if you got light, you don't have you have light or darkness, but you don't get to have both at the same time. They have nothing in common. There's no communion. And so once again, God is showing us that's how sharp the contrast should be to the child of God and to the to those that don't know the Lord. Like, what communion do you have? Like what basis of real intimacy? None. Just to be a light, just to be a witness to them. But that we don't really have anything else. We don't have communion like that. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I was thinking of, my, my sister and I are, we're a year apart and we, we grew up very close. You know, we're, we're much, we're very much alike. We got the same kind of personality with the same kind of sense of humor. Um, and so we grew up enjoying the same stuff. When we were partying, I would always find out where she was going to go to, where her friends are party. And I would go with all my friends so that, you know, nobody could mess with my sister. You know, if somebody bothered her, I'm like, we, we there, you know, we at the club, you know. And we did comedy clubs and all these sort of things. And then I got saved. And one of the things that God did when I first got saved, it was like I knew drinking was off the table. Drinking was a problem. And the Lord was helping me with that. Um, I've always loved comedy, but it was always bad comedy. So I grew up on, I grew up listening and watching since I was a little kid. And I love comedy shows and BET, stuff like that. And so when I got saved, God was like, you need to stop that. Because um, it, it was bad for me. You know, it was bad for my mind. And so I was like, man, I, I, I need to stop that. And I remember all these things we had in common. She was away at school and she came back and all these things that we used to do together. It was like, man, we, no, I can't go do that. No, I'm not. I was a comedy club in Santa Monica. We can go to that. No, I don't really want to do that no more. I'm not supposed to be doing that. Mm, I really want to go there. I never want to drink if I go there. And it was like, man, there was, this is my sister. We got, we got blood running. We have that in common that we got the same mom and dad. But all the stuff we used to do was just falling off. And it's just what it was, you know, um, what communion has light and darkness? None. So once again, if you're here, you're a Christian, you're like, man, I got all these non-believers and we got a gang of stuff in common, probably because you're doing some stuff you shouldn't be doing as a believer. And you should check that out. You should check out what you're watching. You should check out what you're listening to. You should check out what you consume and all these things. Why do you have so much in common with people that aren't going to heaven? Why do you have so much in common with people that don't love God? They don't know him yet. Here's another problem with that. Um, I grew up as a non-believer and I grew up, I knew a lot of church people growing up, uh, a lot of church people. And I, I, I say church people are not Christians for a reason. I knew a lot of people that every Sunday went to church because they had to or because they wanted to. I don't know, but they went to church every Sunday. Um, in my experience, most of my teen, that season of my life, I knew people that were involved in church, sang at church, went to church, all these different things. But hanging out with them the rest of the time, they were just like me, except that Sunday they got dressed up and went to church. So I remember what I used to think back then, if I were to be very honest, I thought, why would I get up? Like, it was nothing appealing about it to me. It looked like a waste of time. Like, why would I party Saturday night, struggle to get up Sunday morning, put on clothes that I don't even like to wear and go to a place with a bunch of people and act like I'm doing good when I'm not. And then come back after Sunday. I, I, I sold weed. 
there were people that when they would finish church and they would come to the weak spot. Musicians, people from church, they still got church clothes on, coming to get a sack. The after church smoke, you know, whatever. And I'm like, why would I go? Like, why would I? What? What? There's, it was so unattractive to me. Second Corinthians is a book that circles back to some things that were hit on in First Corinthians. There had been some sin within the church in between the first letter and this letter. The Corinthians had dealt with the sin and were moving past that, working toward unity and forgiveness. This is something that's easier said than done. The hard work is addressing sin, but sometimes the hard work that's required after that is choosing to forgive once the sin issue has been resolved. This is the best way for relationships to move forward after having a rift. Are any of these topics something that you can relate to in your life? Pointing out areas of sin, working at forgiving, and striving for unity? Of course they are. You're human. We like to come alongside you and be a support in these areas that you might be currently addressing. Would you text or call us and share where you are in the process? Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We'd be happy to listen and pray with you through these things. If you're in the area, it would be so great to meet you in person. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you'd like more info, go to CalvaryInglewood.org for our location and directions. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you in the days that we're living in. Join us again on A Transforming Word.